Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here at Westbrook Park Church this Christmas Eve. Whether you're joining us here in person, you're joining us online, or you're out in the parking lot, it means so much to us that you're spending this cold, snowy Christmas Eve with us. So first, we want to remind you of our Night to Shine event coming up on February 10th. Night to Shine is an event sponsored by the Tim Tebow Foundation, and it's an unforgettable prom night experience for people with special needs uh, ages 14 and over. Um, our guest registration is full, but we're still in need of volunteers like yourselves to make this night special for our honored guests. Each of our guests will get to have the royal treatment that night. They will get to walk a red carpet, have a catered dinner, They'll get hair and makeup touch-ups, shoe shines, limo rides. They have games, um, dancing, and they'll even end the night getting crowned king and queen the way God sees them every day. If you'd like more information or you're interested in registering to volunteer, please visit the website at nighttoshinecanton.com. All right, back to Christmas. Christmas can be a great time of year filled with family, friends, and love. But it can also be a stressful, emotional time. There are so many expectations placed on us to be perfect. The perfect parent, the perfect child, the perfect friend. The list just goes on and on. But the good news is that the Bible tells us that there was only one perfect person to ever walk this earth, and his name was Jesus Christ. And he tells us that he doesn't want us to do anything apart from him. And that includes celebrating his birthday. So why don't you join me in my living room as I do one of my favorite Christmas time activities, and that's setting up my nativity. See, I love unwrapping each piece. As I see each piece, it tells a magical story, one that's filled with adventure, surprises, mystery, suspense, and love. So let's see here. Ah, first. The family. We have Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. In the Bible, in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, it tells us, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, it was time for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and lied him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn.
and Joseph, brand new parents. I've been there. I have three girls of my own, none of which were good sleepers as babies. So I can say for certain that at least three times in my life, I've been awake on Christmas Eve night holding a crying baby. When I would look down into my new baby, I would wonder what God had planned for their lives. Who would they become? Do you think Mary and Joseph thought the same thing when they held their baby for the first time? Do you think they were excited or scared, curious, joyful? See, in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, it tells us that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I often reflect on this passage, and I wonder what Mary was pondering.
Let's see. What do we have next? Oh, the shepherds. In the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, it tells us, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I can't imagine the life of a shepherd sitting in a dark, cold field, no streetlights, no cars going by, just a dark, quiet night, when in true godly fashion, the dark becomes light, and there's a host of heavenly angels. Now, it would make sense for the host of heavenly angels to appear at the temple where they worshiped God, or to the religious leaders at the time, but that's not the way God was going to tell this story. <laughs> See, God had a different way to set the stage for his son's earthly arrival. <laughs> God chose the shepherds to be the first one to know of the baby's birth. They left their flock to go to a nearby town where they saw a baby laying in a manger. I wonder when they looked down in the manger, they knew that they were peering at the face of God.
what do we have next? Oh, one of my favorites, the angel. Now Luke tells us about the angel. He says, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Growing up, I used to love when my mom would let me hang the angel on the nativity. Just something beautiful about this piece was placed just right on the nail. It was like it was flying over the nativity, giving it a bird's eye view of the story. I can only imagine what it was like in the dark of the night to be lit up by a host of angels and what it would sound like for the crisp, cool night air to be interrupted by the sound of angels singing praises to God. (laughs) To have heaven come to earth and end 400 years of silence to fulfill God's promise to us.
last piece is a mimicivity. Ah, the magi. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, Herod the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Here, here he is, who has been born the king of the Jews. For we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. <laughs> now my nativity and most nativities depict the wise men as three men, and three camels at the stable with the baby, Mary and Joseph, and the shepherds. Well, in reality, the Magi wouldn't have come for a little bit longer. In Matthew 2, uh, verses, verse 11, it tells us, And going into the house, they saw a child with Mary and his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. See, Matthew didn't say that he went to a stable, rather a house. He didn't say that they visited a baby, rather a child. He also, the Magi, would have been a spectacle to see. Not just three men with their camels, but rather a caravan traveling across the land. This was prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 60, verse 6, where it said, Herds of camel will be covering your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come bearing gifts of gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord.
All the pieces were in activity, telling the remarkable story of the birth of Jesus. A baby born in a stable, a hole in the side of the earth, not born in a palace, no social media status update to announce his birth. Yet, this baby's newborn cry shook the earth to its core, never to be the same again. His birth brought heaven to earth. And his death offers us redemption, a fresh start. So light your Christmas tree. Hang your stockings and look a little closer at your nativity. Spend time with those you love the most, knowing that the best gift you can give this Christmas and every Christmas is knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is a one-size-fits-all gift can't be taken away, but allows you to walk with your head held high, knowing no matter what your past is, no matter mistakes that have been made, no matter if you feel like you have nothing, nothing left to give, even when you feel like you're all alone, <laughs> you're never alone, because God is with you. You see, while we walk around covered red with our sin because of Jesus, God sees us as white as that fresh Christmas Eve snow outside, <laughs> and he loves us. So this Christmas Eve, let us celebrate the greatest story ever told.
thank you for coming to spend Christmas Eve with us. I had said that I wanted everybody out of here in 60 minutes or less. We're going to meet that deadline. Um, I want to thank Eric and Diana. Diana wrote everything for tonight, and as you saw, she ably and masterfully told the story, and we appreciate all that her and Eric put into this. Appreciate Eric and Mark back there running everything, and everybody that participated, we thank you very much. The Most of the critters you see up here, Betsy Spalding had something to do with it sometimes, so if you ever want to raise uh, a farm, a mini farm, talk to Betsy, she could get you started. Um, just a few thoughts before you go tonight. If you ever picked up your Bible, you know that the Bible is not really a book. The Bible is a library. It is a library of 66 books. 39 represent the first half. 27 represent the second half. They're known as the, the, the Old and the New Testament. If you look real close at both Bibles, there's something that separates the Old from the New, and it is a single page. Just a single page. If you go home and check your Bible tonight, you look close, there's a single page that separates the old from the new. But Diana said something in the telling tonight that you may have not caught. That single page represents 400 years. 400 years where God didn't speak. He didn't talk. He didn't say anything. Well, God had been speaking. You know the Bible starts this way. In the beginning, God, and then God says a bunch of things, and a lot of things happen. God created the earth and all that there is in seven days. When Noah built the ark, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. When the people of Israel, the Hebrew children, were in bondage hundreds of years, and when they finally got out, they wandered in a desert for 40 years. Why am I telling you all of this? Because that one page represents time. As I came in here tonight, Jim and I were talking, and I hope it's okay with you that I say this because now I'm saying it, and he pointed out to me that next month it will be eight years since his lovely wife, Barb, passed away. It seems to me like it was just a year or two ago, just, just, just a moment ago, actually. So much happens in time, doesn't it? Good and sometimes bad. Sometimes it's joyous, joy to the world, but sometimes as time passes, it can be heartbreaking. Scriptures say this, in the fullness of time, God sent his son in the fullness of time. Just That means just at the right time, God sent his son. See, see say that page, that 400 years, who determined that it was the right time for Jesus to be born? Well, in a way, God did, but in another way, we did, and we weren't even there yet. Because, you see, God had to send his son, as Diana so ably told us, for our sins. Because we needed a Savior. So in the fullness of time, when the time was right, when the time was perfect, God sent his son. Now, I know it's awful cold out there, but tomorrow... I believe the sun will come out. It may not feel like it, but the sun will come out. You ever think about the sun? It's 93 million miles away from us. How, how many of you knew that? The sun is 90 
three million miles away. How many of you knew that? All right, look at that. Riot and Kara, they are brand new. Yeah. But I want you to think about this. The light that you see tomorrow from the sun, 93 million miles away, it will take eight and a half minutes, eight, actually eight minutes and 20 seconds for it to get to us. So the, the light that you see is a little bit of a trick because that light started eight minutes and 20 seconds before you and I saw it. Think about that. You know what I love about Jesus? He's there when you need him. There is no delay. He says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And I'll close with this thought on time. The world waited for that holy night when Jesus would be born. And in perfect timing, God sent his son. But you and I anticipate something too, and that is his return. Did you know that? He's coming back. And I'll just give you this this verse from 1 Thessalonians, the 4th chapter in the 13th verse, where it says this, in a moment. Think about that. In a mo what is a moment? Is that a second? Is that a few seconds? It's a millisecond. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet will sound, and God's Son will be sent. He will come to be with us again to take his people home. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, the 13th verse. So as you leave tonight, you may be anticipating Santa Claus in the morning. But I will tell you this, one day in a moment in the twinkling of your eye, God's only son will come to take his church, those who have named his son as their savior, back to be with him. And he actually says, comfort one another with these words. So as we leave tonight, we're going to sing one last song, O Holy Night. Then I'll pray a benediction, and I'll let you get on with your Christmas. Thank you so very, very much on this cold, frigid night that you have chosen to come out here and be with us. Thank you. Let's sing. can't say. <laughs> Let's pray a benediction. Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you for everybody that is here. It was a holy night when Jesus was born and we praise you for that. I thank you tonight, Lord, that we celebrate a Savior that was waiting for and at the right moment in time, in the fullness of time, you chose to send him to earth to die on a cross for our sins. Lord, we thank you for a Savior, but we're thankful more than anything that because he lived and he overcame death, that we can live as well. Lord, as we go home to celebrate 
that Savior first. Help us to know in our heart of hearts that we are alive in him, that he can live in us, and our lives can have purpose and meaning because of that. Send us forth, we pray, in the good name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you.